All right, folks, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now, we are moving along in our study of uh, the Gospel of John, and our primary purpose in looking at the Gospel of John is we want to meet Jesus. We want to get to know Jesus. And when I say we want to get to know Jesus, I'm not just talking about we're here just to learn a whole bunch of facts or doctrines that don't have any bearing on our everyday lives. I want us, as we go through this, to get to know him intimately. Meaning, what, what does he mean for our lives? How does he interact with us? What, what is the relationship with him going to be like? And, and that's what we're trying to do when we're going through this study. And, and as we're going through this study, we're learning about ourselves. We're learning about those who reject him, but we're also learning about ourselves and how we interact with him. And that's especially going to be true today, because now when we get into chapter 11, Jesus' public ministry basically has ended. At the end of chapter 10, you saw there are some who follow him, but there's a whole lot that are rejecting him, and some of them want to kill him. That basically, at the end of chapter 10, was the end of his public ministry. And so Jesus then went over and went to the area beyond the Jordan where John the Baptist began his ministry. So he's over there. But now comes a personal plea. And so we get into what is an amazing chapter the story of Lazarus and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. But we're not going to talk about the raising today. We're just going to focus on the first 16 verses and kind of get to an issue that I think that you and I are going to relate to. Because what we're going to look at here is something that you and I struggle with all the time. When it comes to the Lord, and we would say, I believe in the Lord. We just sang that, didn't we? We believe. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that he died for us. But that doesn't remove from you when you realize the reality of Jesus and, and, and that he's there in your life, especially if he has saved you. That does not remove from you some struggles. And I'm not talking about the stuff that you face on your day-to-day -day lives or the crisis that come, although that has bearing on it, the struggles that you have with God. Well, what do you mean? Well, here's a couple things I want you to think about. Here, first of all, we struggle with the delays and apparent inaction. So here you are, you've got some sort of crisis happening in your life, and that happens, right? May not be happening for you right now, just wait. It's going to happen. That's life, right? And sometimes it pours. You know, when it rains, it pours. Sometimes it just seems like one crisis after another. And you're like, man, I need some breathing room here. But we struggle during those times, not just with the stuff that's happening, not just with the crisis that we're going through that we can't handle, that we don't know how to deal with, that we don't know how, we don't even know, man, what, like you're, you're in the water in a deep end and you're trying to find your way to the top to grab a breath and it's like something's pulling you down. And it's not just that 
aspect of the problem you're in, it's also what you perceive about God during that moment. What do you mean what I perceive about God? That he is delaying in his response to you and that he seems to be inactive. What do you mean delaying in his response? Well, let's be honest, when you're in the midst of the crisis, you want the crisis to end. You want it to stop. And so that's what you're praying. Stop! Get me out of this. Help me through this. Provide the money that I need to solve this problem. Provide the strength or the wisdom. God, do something. And, and, and then, but it doesn't seem like he's responding immediately. We just don't know what to do with that. It's real. You know what I'm talking about? Have you been there? I've been there. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, what's going on there? Well, we really don't understand God and his ways. We, we really don't understand God, how he operates, the way that he operates in our lives, even the way in which he interacts in our lives, especially when we're going through the crises, when we're going through the difficulties. Can I tell you, it's because we don't really know him. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you put your faith and trust in Christ. But like with any relationship, you don't start out knowing everything about a person when you enter into a relationship. That knowledge comes with time and going through experiences together. And then hopefully, as you progress along, you become more and more aware who they are and how they respond. And it's the same thing in our spiritual lives, in our lives with Jesus. And so when we face those circumstances where we're crying out to him, God, take this away from me. And it's like, why aren't you answering me? A lot of times it's because we don't understand how he operates. So that brings us to where we're going to look at today. Because we're going to find that Jesus, and it would only make sense, he had some people who really loved him. He really loved them, and they really loved him. And they've got a crisis, and so they send a message. Hey, we need you! But if you don't really look at what the passage is saying, you might really miss it because you might be shocked how Jesus responds. And so we want to learn from that. So here's what I want you to do. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look with me at verses 1 to 16. It'll be up on the screen if you want to look at it on the screen. If you want to use a pew Bible, you can. But listen to what John writes. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, 
he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Let me read that to you again. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? And If anyone walks in a day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this passage, and I'm going to kind of divide it up into two sections. I'm going to divide it up into the plea. We're going to see the plea that comes from Mary and Martha concerning their brother Lazarus. And then we're going to talk about his choice because you and I need to understand his choice. In fact, that's what I've entitled this message as the prerogative of God. I think that's what's so hard for us to grasp is that God would have a prerogative in how he interacts in our lives. And that's what we struggle with because we don't understand that. And what I want you to see as we go through this passage is, is yes, he gets the word that his friend is sick, but notice what it says. He stays two more days. What's going on there? What's going on there has relevance to you and I in our lives with the things that we face and with the struggle that we have with God. So let's talk about it, okay? Let's talk about it together. So let's notice, first of all, the plea. First of all, when you look at 1 to 3, the writer goes into great detail to talk about Lazarus, Lazarus of Bethany, and about that he was from Bethany where his sisters, Martha and Mary, were at. And then the reality is, as you look at verse 3, it's, there's this plea, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So they're not just sending a message Hey, I got a sick loved one. Come take care of him, Jesus. They make the point of saying, 
the one you love, Jesus, is sick. Come. So here's what I want you to see. First thing. They appealed to Jesus based on his relationship with them. They appealed to Jesus based on his relationship with them. It's not just some abstract, somebody comes along and says, hey, can you help me out with my problem? This is somebody that he loves, they love him, and they've interacted with him, and the reality is, is that because of that, they're like, Lord, you heal everyone else. Can you please take care of us? We love you. You love us. We have this relationship with you. Can you come and deal with this? So they're appealing based on their relationship. We do the same thing. Haven't you? You're in the midst of it. You're going through the crisis. God, I need your help. I need you to solve this crisis I'm in. Lord, you know I love you. You died for me. Don't we say those kind of things? We appeal to him when we're in the midst of our crisis. We appeal to him and ask him to work because we have a relationship with him. And so we, I guess the word is leverage that, right? God, please, I need you to do this. This is natural. This is, an, it's not an abnormal thing. Don't view it as abnormal. It is normal. It's like a child coming to their dad and saying, can you fix my toy? Can you take care of this? Why do they do that? Because they love you. They, they know that you love them. And you can do anything when you're dad, right? At least you told them you could do anything. So they bring you a toy you can't fix, right? Then you try to get rid of the toy and get them something else. But God's not like that. I'm talking about humans. But the point is, is that we, it's only natural to go to him, appeal to him based on that. And, and here's the thing I want you to see. Verse, for, verses 4 tells us, look at verse 4. It's really interesting. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Here, here's what I want you to see. Jesus understood the problem. Well, wait a minute, George, hold on a second. He understood the problem. He said, this is not unto death. We know that Lazarus is going to die. What do you mean he understood the problem? No, no, Jesus sees the big picture. When he sees the problem, he's not just seeing the moment that you're in the problem. He sees everything from before you went into the problem to the other side of the problem. That's who Jesus is. He knows and understands your problem. So when you go to him and you express to him, God, I need help in this area. I need you to help me with my problem. I need you to do something, provide wisdom, take care of it, deal with that person. He understands. He understands far better than you. So when they sent this word that Lazarus was sick, he said, this isn't unto death. This is for the glory of God. This is what God's going to do through this. Now let me just stop for a moment so that you don't read your situation and your problem that you're going through with him and saying, okay, God, I'm going through this for your glory. No, no, this is Lazarus' situation. You're going through it because that's life. And maybe God will be glorified through your situation, but that's not what this passage is telling you. It's telling you he understands. 
He understands what you're going through in the crisis, and he's there with you, because then that brings up the reality of verse 5. And why do you think he puts in verse 5? Look at what he says, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Where do you know that? Why does he got to say that? Because sometimes we have to know that. Jesus loved them. That's the reality. Jesus loved them. Listen, folks, Jesus loves you. And we got to be told that. Why? Because you doubt it. When you're in the midst of the crisis and you're begging him in prayer, God, I need you to hear me. I need you to take care of this. When, when it seems like he's delaying or inactive and, and the problem continues to just build and the pressure becomes even more immense and you become more fearful and more frantic, you will default to a thought. And that thought is, he doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. He's displeased with me. You'll, you'll say things like that. Must have been something I did. Maybe I didn't do enough. What, what was it, Lord? Did, did I not give enough? Did I not go to church enough? Lord, what, what, what was it? And, and, you, and you begin to question the reality of God's love for you. Did you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one who operates that way? I mean, I default there. That, that's just a natural default for George is when the crisis happens and you don't know how you're going to get through it, you question, Lord, do you love me? You say, well, George, you should have it together by now. I should, but I don't because we don't, do we? And I think it's amazing that the writer, when he's talking about Mary and Martha, their brother being sick, and uh, the Lord, you love him, he loves you, you need to come. And, and Jesus says, yeah, I understand the problem. The writer makes the point again to say, Jesus loved them. Why? Because you've got to recognize that whatever he's about to do, that's the basis of why he's doing it. So when you are sitting there and you're wrestling with why is he delaying, why is he inactive, don't ever question that he loves you. Don't question that. That's the reality we see here with the plea. So that brings us to the prerogative of God, his choice. How does he choose to respond here? And why does he? And sometimes I think that's what we need to know, is why aren't you answering? Why are you delaying? And we get a glimpse of that here with what the writer writes in this passage. So here it is. Look with me. First of all, verse 6 and 7. If you, you know, when you read through this, you read through the story, it's real easy to just really breeze through this part of the passage because you want to get to the part where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Wow, Jesus. Yeah, but look at verse 6. 
So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Wow. When you look at the whole timing of what's going on here, that where they were beyond the Jordan, it would have taken a day's journey for them to get to Bethany. By the time that he makes the journey to get to Bethany, Lazarus would have been in the grave three days. That means when Jesus got the word, Lazarus died. But he stays two more days. What, what's going on here? Why, why is Jesus acting this way? What I want you to see is, is that Jesus purposefully, purposefully chooses not to immediately respond. Sometimes there is a purpose in why he does what he does. And so sometimes when it seems like that he's not responding to us, he's not acting, he's not taking care of the problem. We sit there and we're like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Or do you not love me? And, but the reality is, is that God does love you. We've already seen that. He loves you. He loved them. But what is he doing here? He's purposing to not respond immediately. There's something else going on here, some other purpose that's happening. And that calls you to trust. Because look, our natural tendency, when he doesn't respond, we're like, is there something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Did I not do enough? Tell me what I need to do, Lord. I'll do it. When, in reality, what we need to do is say, okay, Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to realize there's a reason why you're not responding right now the way I want you to. I'm going to trust you. Because that's what we're seeing here, is that Jesus is very purposeful in, in why he's not responding. And in fact, here's what I want you to see. So then when he finally says, look with me at verse 8 through 11, verse 7 he says, let us go to Judea again. So after two days he says, let us go to Judea. The disciples says, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and are you going again? They're like, wait a minute, Jesus, you know, if we go back there, they're going to try and kill you. Are you sure you want to do this? And, and, and Jesus says, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. And if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. All right, what's going on here? What Jesus is saying is nothing will deter him from the task. Nothing's going to deter him from the task. What's the task? Taking care of Lazarus. He's not worried about that he might get killed. He's going to go do what his job is. There's 12 hours, meaning there's 12 hours of sunlight for him to do work in. I'm going to do it. Now, how does that relate to you and I? Here's the reality. He may not be responding to you, but number one, don't doubt that he loves you. Number two, it doesn't mean that he's not working or that he's not going to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Because did he not tell you that he would take care of you and be with you and help you and see you through whatever the thing is that you're going through? He just maybe isn't doing it the way you think it should happen. You know what? When I go through crisis, I, I'm, a, I'm a list guy. So I, I, I go through a crisis. I make, okay, here's my steps, Lord. Uh, step one, I need you to do this. Step two, I need you to do this. Step three, to do this. Step four, do this. Now, I have an alternate plan if those don't work. Here's my other four steps. Don't we do that? It's still my plan. And then when he doesn't, he doesn't like my plan A or B, I get really freaked out. I said, I wonder, do you love me? No, 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 listen. Nothing's going to deter him from doing his work in your life. Nothing. Nothing is. Nothing's going to keep him from coming to Lazarus. That's, that's the reality. So, Jesus then tells us why he's delaying. I already told you, listen to me. I already told you that if you look at the journey that he's making from beyond the Jordan to Bethany, it's a day's journey. By the time that he would have gotten that message, because when he does go, Lazarus has already been in the grave three days. So the reality is, is by the time that Jesus gets the word that Lazarus is sick, he's dead. Why didn't he just decide right now to, okay, let's go, guys. And he's still going to show up and raise Lazarus from the dead. Why wait an extra two days? The outcome's going to be the same, right? At least from our perspective, right? But remember, God doesn't operate from our perspective. He operates from his prerogative. And what we see here is this. Look at what he says at verses 12 through 16. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Now, here's the point I want you to see. The delay was for their benefit. The delay was for their benefit. What, what do you mean, what benefit, George? You know what? Had he been there and he healed him from his sickness, that would be awesome, right? But they've seen Jesus heal lots of people who've been sick, right? But if they show up and they hear he's dead, and not just dead, but he's been in the grave for a few days, and Jesus calls them up, calls Lazarus up out of the grave which he will do. What's that going to do to their faith in him? 
they're going to be blown away, right? Because they already believe in him. But now they're going to know, man, he just can't heal the sick. He can raise the dead. And Jesus says, it's for your sake. So that you can believe. So that you can have faith. All right, what does that mean for us, okay? Listen, I, again, I want to reiterate the points I've already showed you so far. Number one, no matter what it is that you're going through, number one, no matter, even if it seems like he's inactive or he's delaying, he loves you. We got that one? Number one, he loves you. You can take that one to the bank. They won't give you anything for that, but you've got something from it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He loves you. Number two, He always is going to operate with your best interest in heart. But here is number three. Whatever the response is, is always going to be so that you can trust him more. Have faith in him more. Wait a minute, George, how's that going to help me to trust him more? Because I'm wanting an answer right now. If he answered me right now, man, I would trust him. No, no, he's wanting you to be stretched a little bit in your trust. He's going to respond in his way. Sometimes he may not respond. But what he's calling you to do is, is just trust and believe. And it's for your sake that he's doing it. This is what comes out of this passage. That's who Jesus is. So, all right, let's get back to what we're talking about. We're going to finish this up. We've got to wrap this up, okay? Remember our purpose. We're going through this gospel to get to know Jesus. You know, here's reality about relationships. Relationships can be awesome, but you really want to know where a relationship is, go through a crisis together. Did you know what I mean? If you really want to know where a relationship is, go through a crisis together. And when you go through the crisis together, it's going to reveal who you are and who he is. So when you're going through the crises of life, that's a good thing, the scripture will tell you. It's a good thing because it's going to reveal where you are at in your relationship with the Lord. And when he seems like he's delaying and he's inactive, you're still going to trust him. Because you're sure of several things. You're sure that he loves you. You're sure that he's working things out in your life. And number two, he's finally, number three, he's, he's trying to increase your faith in him. So you hang on. You don't need to question his love for you. That's never been the question. He's with you. So trust how he works through your crisis. That's what we see here in this passage for you and I.
Let me pray for you.